You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode, the April third edition of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your host, the amazing Andrew Gerza. Hello, let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started, everybody. 
You may be wondering, Andrew, weren't you calling yourself Drew for like the last year? Why did you decide to make that change? And you know, sometimes names names just don't work out and we all have the we all have the right and the chance to experiment with things and so I decided that Andrew felt more authentic and more who I was and I was felt like when I was using Drew I was trying to like become this character character that I am not entirely and I wanted to be really authentic with you, the audience. So I've let go of Drew and now I'll be referred to as my my actual name. <laughs> Andrew. So it's back to Andrew. Uh, that's why I said I'm the amazing Andrew. The amazing Andrew Gerza or the awesomely sexy Andrew Gerza. I don't know. We'll figure out something. But it's back to Andrew now. And also, just so we're aware, my pronouns are now they and he. And I'll do a whole episode on why I changed why I'm changed the order of my pronouns at a later time. But uh, that's it for now. And uh, now let's go on to... First things first, to give a shout out to the people that uh, support the show. Let's do it right now. If you support the show on Patreon, you are getting the show one day early before everybody else, and you can get a, a sexy, awkward shout out from me on the show. Um, and that is what I'm going to do now with one of the new Patreon supporters. So if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and you can support the show, and I'm going to pull up our newest patron right now. And they are, I'm just pulling it up on my website here. They are, hold on, I'm going to find it because the computer didn't do it the way that I wanted to. Hang on one second. The newest patron that is supporting us right now is Levi Brown. Levi, you are my highest happiness for the day. Thank you, Levi Brown. You are the, the person around town, and they pledged $1.50 a month to keep the show going. That's super awesome. Thank you for your pledge. If you want to support the show, you can get, you can pledge as little as $1 a month, as much as $5 a month or more, or even a yearly amount if that's more accessible for you. So you can do that by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. And yeah, sorry, Levi. I'm sorry if the pun wasn't super fantastic, but I tried. Never said they were good. But now, let's get on with the show. On the show today, I sit down with my new friend, Lucy Dawson, who is a bonafide disabled internet star. They have 51,000 followers on Instagram. They have way more followers on TikTok, and I can't remember the exact number, but they're right up there. They are a disabled model out of the UK, and I've been wanting to have them on the show for a long while. They've actually wanted to be on the show for a while. They reached out a bunch of times, and disability got in the way, and timing got in the way, and I, then I forgot because disability brain and all that stuff. So finally, I'm sitting down with my friend Lucy Dawson, and she tells us about her experience having encephalitis and what that was like for her and, what, and all of the trials and tribulations that she went through going to be diagnosed with disability and how she both has visible and invisible disabilities because of that. That is, it's a pretty involved story. She has a lot to say and it was really important for her to share that part with us. Then we talk a little bit about her experience modeling and disability and how, what that's been like for her and, and her experience is working for one of the only agencies in the UK, I think, that works strictly with disabled models, and she talks about that, and then we talk a little bit about 
her experiences dating and her experiences with people fetishizing her. And there's a whole lot of disability stuff that we talk about, but I loved being able to share her story. And I love bringing on people who, while we may talk about similar themes every week, they always have a different story around disability to shine a bright light on. So without further ado, here's my interview with Lucy Dawson, right now on Disability After Dark. Lucy Dawson, hello! Hi, so glad to be here. Hi, such a pleasure to finally meet you. You and I have been like wanting to do this literally for a couple years now. Um, yeah, we've been like Instagram friends. <laughs> we've been like social media like buddies for a while now. So it's so nice to like finally sit down with you and I, I, this will be a great chat. I'm excited. So um, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, awesome. So I'm Lucy, I'm 25 and I live in Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom. And I became disabled when I was 21. I had a really rare brain disease named encephalitis when I was 20 and it was misdiagnosed as a uh, mental illness. So they sectioned me uh, in a psychiatric ward for three months and I had a brain disease which was going completely untreated. They were treating me for this mental breakdown which didn't exist. Um, So obviously the brain disease was able to progress and progress for these three months. Um, by the end I was uh, like a shell of a person really I was sort of in a vegetative state and uh, catatonic and they said to my mom and dad uh, look she's she's going to die we don't know why but as a last ditch attempt uh, we can give her ECT like electroshock therapy kind of thing which isn't really used much these days but um, so on my 21st birthday I had three rounds of that and a miracle it sort of triggered these seizures which reset my brain uh unfortunately and I always say it would be great if the story ended there like a miracle cure but unfortunately I had they put me back on my psychiatric ward bed and I had such a big seizure that I fell out of the bed no one was watching me and there were no sides upon the bed and I fell this is a long story onto a uh open radiator pipe it was the end of November so the pipe was as hot as it would ever be and it burnt all the way through my sciatic nerve because I couldn't feel it because I was catatonic and that ultimately permanently paralyzed my lower leg (laughs) wow that's quite a story and okay and then and then so obviously I became disabled then but also because of the brain disease I couldn't actually talk I couldn't walk I didn't recognize like anyone my family or anything so I was 21 then I'm 25 now for two years I sort of had to relearn how to talk how to walk absolutely everything uh but the positive is then when I was 23 I went back to university, finished my degree, and now today I am an absolute supermodel. <laughs> Amazing. And um, legend, really. So <laughs> I love how you just called yourself a legend. That's amazing. Uh, You've got someone has to. <laughs> I mean, but this all that happened to you in such a short span of mm. time. Like that was literally only four years ago. So we're talking yeah. like 20, you know, 2016, 2017. Only yeah, for, like, yeah, that's what it was wow that feels like that's a lot to go through and in that's like how, your whole life changed your whole life was yeah upended like wow 100 percent. I'd, I'd never had any um any 
any illness really no mental illness so and it everything happened in the space of a week like one one day I was completely fine then over the week my behavior started changing and then bang like done <laughs> wow and encephalitis just so that people know it, that's that's when that's like the the swelling of the brain right yeah so the type that you can have viral encephalitis or autoimmune encephalitis i had autoimmune encephalitis which can literally happen to anyone at any time it's most common in young women and often like a tumor is the cause but i didn't have a tumor it was just um autoimmune but yeah inflammation of the brain uh it's they call it friendly fire where your your brain mistakenly attacks itself <coughs> fun that sounds so <laughs> joyous for you i'm sure you'd love that so much so, <laughs> so it's a good story <laughs> like one day you were fine and hanging out and then you then you said your behavior changed like how did it did did you notice changes or did people notice that you were so the the whole um that whole 3 month period i have nearly no memory of I just have these really awful flashbacks and then things I do remember I'm like did that actually happen or was it a hallucination because part of the illness is you hallucinate a lot um so I I have sort of a very strange reality of what happened but I was I was at university at the time living with uh my friends and they noticed I suddenly became really really depressed and was, was just crying all the time about about things that I'd never been bothered about before and sort of really confused. And uh, one morning, well, the morning that it all really kicked off, my my friend found me at six o'clock in the morning, screaming her name, like tucked up in a ball, rocking backwards and forwards. And I'd just absolutely torn my bedroom to pieces. And that's when it, 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 everyone realized there's something very yeah, wrong. Yeah, something really wrong here. Uh-huh. Um, that, I mean, that's gotta be, I mean, usually when we hear stories about becoming disabled, usually it's people going from being able to walk to, to being a wheelchair user. But we never usually hear the story of somebody going from having totally, completely fine mental health to mm. being to being sectioned in like a matter of days. That yeah. got to be so scary. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's interesting as well because. Um, had I had had I just had encephalitis, just had encephalitis, um, and come out the end of it, I would I would still have I would have an invisible disability because I would have an acquired brain injury. But as well as that, because of the um, accident in hospital, I also obviously have a visible disability as well. So it's sort of just everything at once. So such a massive life changing experience. Of course, and did you? Please tell me you like sued the hospital or like you try to get damages or money or something. Please tell me um, something. Please. They apologize. They apologize. That's that's probably as much with as money? I can say. Do they apologize with money. Um, they apologize. I think that's as much as I can say. Oh no! All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but also, like that just shows you the level of people don't care about people in the hospital. Like it's it's yeah. There needs to be so much more done because like you're lucky that you love you got out of that with what you did you could have mm-hmm. been, been so much worse you could have died mm-hmm. so yeah like- and I think um obviously when I became more uh when I sort of had learned how to I had to learn to like write and read and everything again but yeah. obviously when I, when I sort of was able to read up on it and I sort of looked into the history of encephalitis and everything and I realized 
like the massive gendered implications as well. They saw a young girl at university and they immediately said, mental health or they well at first they tried to say she's taken drugs which I've never or she's been spiked you know they and I know in medicine they're told um in the UK I don't know if that's um if you hear hoof beats a shoe yeah. it's a horse not a zebra kind of thing yeah. and that's all well and good until it's a zebra <laughs> yeah and it's usually I you know the you know, we hear that a lot in medical discourse in the states and in Canada too but like usually it's a fucking zebra so look for that too uh-huh. like, <laughs> usually when stuff like this goes down it's, just, it's a zebra so, it's a unicorn <laughs> yeah <laughs> um um but i mean there i just can't imagine i am privileged in that i've never had an issue with my with with like seizures or brain mm-hmm. swelling that i can like obviously a little bit when i was a baby but as an adult never have had those issues so i can't imagine going from the normalcy that i have right now to that whole experience and did you mm. feel any like this is totally going off book from what I wrote down but I have so many questions that just popped in my head do you have did you have like grief about that as you were relearning stuff so and um, it it's it's so interesting because uh meeting me now um, and I'm sure anyone thinks this oh my gosh she's so like vibrant so bubbly and everything but the uh the two years even three years I would say after I came out like the the weight of the trauma um and like the the anger really that they'd let that happen to me the misdiagnosis the accident and then also like now now I'm, I'm sort of much more deep in with the disabled community and I've learned so much I can see now that I had so much internalized ableism when I first became disabled because I really thought and I've so regret, I've really thought, well, that's it, my life's over. But I was I was so like naive to disability and ignorant in many ways that I, c- I can remember even thinking like, well, who's gonna, who's gonna fancy me now? Like, I, it wasn't that I thought I was unattractive because I was disabled, but it was more that I thought, well, who who's gonna want to go on a date with me because I can't do this, I can't do that. But then I would say through meeting I have so many amazing disabled friends now with like so many different conditions. I'm, I'm signed to a model agency that only books disabled models, actors and talent. Oh, and I would, I would never look at any of my peers and think, well, they don't deserve love. They're not worth it. So why, why was I putting that on myself? Yeah. I think that's, um, that's sort of the interesting thing about becoming disabled um, that you have this whole switch of perspective on yourself, I guess. And I think also like, I think, you know, I was looking at that that part of your question today and I was thinking like, I am, I was born disabled, but part of my disability progresses over time. And so I've become more disabled as I've gotten older and disability has changed and ebbed and flowed. And so you do go through a period of like grief, but you, I don't look at my, my other disabled peers as like not deserving of stuff, but I will agree with you as I've become more disabled and disabilities change for me and up for me there are moments where I'm like oh well you know at least I'm not like this person and I have to stop myself and go like no no that's ableism try again like let's okay. not, you can't do that so I totally get it I think I think I remember um uh, in fact no you see it on Twitter quite a lot where pe- people do get really cross at people for saying that sort of thing and and I, now I'm in the place I am now with my disability and much more accepting. I, I do completely understand, but when you're going through it, 
it's a completely different um you know you are you are grieving uh, sort of the person you used to be and it just it does take a lot of coming to terms with you're grieving like three or four versions of yourself actually in that moment you're grieving who you used to be you're grieving who you could have been if this mm-hmm. hadn't happened to you and you're mad at, you're mad at who you are so you're actually going through three layers of grief all at once and no one like because we don't think ableism is real and we don't talk about it enough like I talk about it all the time but the average public person doesn't know what it is so because it's not in the mainstream people just think oh you're just upset you'll get over it it's like no I'm going through like definite trauma about what's happening to me right now yeah I I, I, what you just said about uh people not even thinking ableism is a real thing I can think recently I did a big campaign with around 13 girls all different ages women girls um, and was speaking to them about uh, ableism and they, they had never heard the word before. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And so how did, when that's, when you did that with them, how did you, what did you say when they were like, oh, we don't know what it is? Like, how did you? Um, I, I mean, I, I always tried to like educate because uh, as I say, before, before it happened to me, I was, now I can say I was ignorant and naive to uh, lots of things about disability and massively about ableism. Um, I think, do you know something that you hear a lot is uh, when people, it's often when able-bodied people are talking about ableism, they say, uh, well, disabled people are the largest minority that we could become a part of at any moment. And where that's true, also you shouldn't want to do better for disabled people because you could become disabled tomorrow. You should want to do better for disabled people because they deserve better. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with that. And by doing better for them now, you'll be doing better for yourself tomorrow. <laughs> and it's all like it all it all like part of with what with what my sister and I are doing on the handicast and with handy is and we always say like she has kind of adopted the term temporarily able bodied now as part of her like the way she talks for herself. And I love that because she's learning about disability from a place where she's never it's not part of her like her body her makeup but she's learning and, and so much like you do with education I'm, I'm learning to like to to soften my approach a little bit and be like all right let's yeah. let's, let's hold your hand through this a little bit and walk you through <laughs> to teach you about disability in a way that yeah. isn't that isn't shamey I mean it's fun to put people on blast but it's also exhausting yeah yeah I I don't know if um I the the Sia movie um recently yeah, uh, yeah. I, that the week that that um, was really uh, taken off on Twitter, I, I had a fair few debates about it, and it absolutely drained the life out of me. Oh, to exactly. where at the end of the day, I I literally sat in my bed and cried because I just couldn't believe that people felt completely opposite to how I felt about it, and it was absolutely exhausting. So I definitely understand what you mean there. I mean, it's what I've learned through doing my activism and what I do is like, I would much rather use my platform to give somebody a leg up and to give somebody the knowledge to like change their viewpoint through a a wink and a nod versus like, you're an ableist, fuck you. Like, yeah, I can do that. And sure, I can do that. And we can all do that. And that's fun. Sometimes, believe me, it's really fun. But also it's like not productive because then you just yell at somebody that you could Mm -hmm. be teaching to. So, so. I really like I, and I love your activism like you on social media it's fun it's playful it's bright it's bubbly and there's disability there like I think that's so powerful like like I just think seeing more representation of disability in the modeling world is I mean we see it in like New York Fashion Week and we see it in like mm-hmm. Paris Fashion Week and they'll have like these one-off shows 
where out of the graciousness of their heart, they'll have like a disabled person go down the runway. And that's like, that's very nice. But like, where's, where is this all the time? I think that I think um, I can think of a uh, company in the UK, a fashion company who did this, they did this campaign where they, they selected uh, people, a really wide variety of people, uh, diverse people and then the next week it was back to using uh I don't know Love Island Love Island people yeah and it's like okay cool but that was just a moment in time why are we back to business as usual because that's that's done absolutely nothing that's you know thank you (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, and I mean I think like so how do you how do you want to use your platform to to change these conversations so um I tried to get involved with as much uh, charity as possible. So November this year, there was Purple Tuesday. I think it's just in the UK. Yeah, um, it's Purple like Giving Tuesday, Tuesday right? Well, sp- speaking and pushing the message as much as I can. So Purple Tuesday celebrates. I think it's two hundred and seventy-four billion pounds a year. People, disabled people, and their families in the UK put into the the economy, and it sort of poses the question to brands and businesses. If we're putting all this into the economy, what are you giving back? And so this year, the the aim was that every brand, every business, every company would do one thing to improve accessibility uh, for disabled people, whether it be online. So um, adding alt text. Image descriptions. Yeah, yeah. Or in stores making aisles uh, wider and things like that, uh, or in campaigns including a disabled person. And so I called out brands. We were all calling out <laughs> brands, and did ha- hardly anyone, hardly anyone. And you know why? I, I would like to know why you will not do one thing for an entire community who are putting so much money. You know we're spending. And, you know, it makes me want to withdraw support from anyone. Another thing I always say is um, go on your favourite brand's Instagram. Go on your f- and scroll for 30 seconds. Do you see a disabled person on their feed? No. And why is that? That's that's their choice now. And that's their choice to not support us. So why are we supporting them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so, you know, I did a paper on the, the, <coughs> As I'm dying here, I did a paper on the disabled the, the disabled buying power in the UK last year, and to see, yeah, billions of pounds disabled people are spending just in the day to day. So why wouldn't you give them something? You're right. Why wouldn't you give them something back? And why wouldn't you provide access? And because it's gonna go back in your pockets later, and they're gonna. Yeah. Not only are you doing what's right, you're doing you're gonna have money at the end. So like, it just doesn't make sense. So brands, yeah. Listen to Lucy and listen to me when we tell you, use us and do better for us. Thanks. And also, also um, so, as I said, I'm, I'm signed to a model agency, Zebedee, who just just uh, represent disabled people. And um, recently, one of our models called Ellie Goldstein, she got the Gucci Beauty cover and they Gucci posted the photo on Instagram and it's their most liked photo they've ever posted. So clearly people want to see it. Like we're not we're not just shouting for no reason. Like people want to see more representation yeah they really do because i think i think they know and we're learning we're seeing a shift in more people are becoming disabled through through illness through proper diagnosis through also through through uh 
COVID-19, so many more people will become disabled. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's time for these companies to really take it seriously. I mean, it was, it was time 20 years ago it's, and it was it's time. It's been for, time, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's always been there. But I think I think now, you know, COVID-19 is forcing us to look at this stuff with a much more critical eye. Like we can't just let it go because we're all going to be, you know, knock on wood, we're all going to be affected by this in one way or another, whether we have, we get it ourselves or whether a family member gets it, we're, it mm-hmm. which means that disability and illness will become a part of our story. So these brands have to have to recognize that. Um, I want to move on to, oh, we're only on question two. Awesome. So you kind of touched on this already a little bit, but I want to touch on it some more. How did becoming disabled with encephalitis change your views on sexuality in your body? Um, so like, like I said at, at the start, I, when I was sort of, I was, I was so depressed for a long time, I'd sort of, I'd say I'd given up on myself. And uh, as I, like I said, I had to learn to walk and everything again. So exercising really wasn't something that I was able to do. And as well as that, uh, I was on a lot of medication and it made me put on a lot, a lot of weight. And uh, that made me sort of, I just hated myself so much. But again, now I'm here and look back again, that's just another thing that society told me I should hate about myself that I'd put on what I mean, I've lost weight now, <laughs> skinny legend. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you when you're in the moment, like the the weight of everything on top of you, you, you can so easily get in such a hole and it is so hard to pull yourself out of. But you know, really even when I was at my biggest and you know when I had my NHS crutches when I you know people still fancied me (laughs) so like why why was I being so harsh on myself yeah yeah and I think you know there's so many stories of disabled people that I've talked to and heard on Twitter and been in contact with who've been like yeah I'm on meds for this and it means I'm gonna gain weight but it doesn't mean I'm still not awesome and like no exactly I think you know we have to talk more about the connection between medications and weight gain or Mm -hmm. weight loss because it happens so much but and people think it's a moral failing if you put on a pound or two and it's like well no that's not it at all you have no idea what their backstory is you have no idea why again going back to going going back to uh corona again like a lot of people through lockdown who've never been bigger in their life are putting on weight because they're at home a lot of the time now yeah eating because and people are again they're uh, like they don't they don't know what to do with this new like and I think all these new restrictions are like let's have food yeah like me too <laughs> me too like I can now devour a sleeve of chips in like <laughs> in like an hour or two because I'm like why oh, not <laughs> do? like what else am I doing I'll just keep eating it's so, like I totally get it um but, but like, there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with you know in a global pandemic putting on a bit of weight it really isn't the end I mean <laughs> and even before the pandemic like yeah you, ever <laughs> If you're disabled and you in like you weigh something, that's fine. Like I've always said, and I, I talked to somebody like a year, two or three years ago when we did the show. I talked to somebody who said to me, we were talking about their weight gain and their their like the way they ate food because of their disability, and they said, you know, having weight on my body because of my disability makes me feel safe. If I lose weight, I feel like I'm gonna not be safe. So I always, every time I gain a pound, I'm like, well, actually, that means. I'm safe. Like my body's good. It has enough. It has more than enough now to be okay. 
And so it made me look at weight super differently because mm-hmm. it wasn't like this weight is bad. It's actually like, oh, this weight's protecting you from, you know, more other things. Yeah, and I, I sort of hit at sort of a, a turning point, um, I'd say last year when I sort of sat down to myself and thought, Lucy, think of everything that your body has been through and every like every cell in your body fought so hard to keep you alive. Why are you being so evil to it? Why are you why are you being so nasty to yourself when this body saved you? And I think like that that like spun my head and I was like, yeah. why are you wasting time hating yourself? <laughs> I mean, it's a hard place to get to when mm-hmm. you and I can imagine for you being becoming disabled so quickly, really. I can imagine there was, did you ever feel like your body betrayed you or you're like, fuck this body, like, why did you do this? I, I, I'm not sure. I definitely had times where I thought like, oh, it's not fair and all this, but you know, life's not fair and you get dealt what you get dealt. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really fortunate. I'm lucky, but unlucky. Like I'm, I'll never say that I'm thankful for what happened to me, but good gosh, has it taught me a lot about how resilient resilient I am and you know it's it's opened my eyes to so many things so you know I can I can find the thanks in the things that I've been through now I know that we and I I can see it as I'm looking at you here I noticed that you use a cane which I love and on your social media and all your all your Instagram and stuff you use a cane with and you it's so playful and bright and it's purple and I love it's my favorite thing on your social media really every time I see it I'm like yes there it is amazing so I know friends with canes and other mobility devices and they give their, I have a friend with a cane and she names her canes different names. She has four of them. She, I can't remember what their names are, but she told me what they were. Did you, when you got, first of all, where did you get your cane? Cause it's, it's a different kind of cane. It's not like the one yeah. you would get at them, like medical shop. It's really like no. bright and cool. So where'd you get it? And no, like, I actually, oh, sorry. I actually ahead. have that. I think I have maybe 11 different ones. I have pretty much every color you could imagine. I have one that lights up. I have like transparent one, bright pink one. Like I have everything because so fortunately I found this, uh, this uh, brand on Instagram called Neo Walk Sticks and everyone always asks me so I'll spell it out. It's N-E-O walk sticks um and they they customize it to your height you can have whatever handle you want like they they do different colors on the bottom and like i said you can get them to light up and everything and the way that my entire confidence changed when i got my first stick because before i was just using uh nhs crutches yeah the first stick i ever got was this bubblegum pink and like that's so me like pink and to like step out with it and like match my outfit and everything like I felt like amazing um and again I would say that was actually a turning point and you know everyone when I'm walking down the street now they stop me and they say whereas before they'd be like oh what's happening to you like now they're like oh my gosh what a jazzy walking stick and I'm like I know (laughs) isn't it (laughs) yeah that's great though so do you have a name for it for all of them or do you, do you I just call them I just call them my stick I really should probably name them now you said that <laughs> I mean we should totally go through one day and like like give them, <laughs> you should put them on Instagram and be like what do you think I should name my cane well do you know what um people always ask me to do uh because I, I do TikTok now I think I have 176,000 followers on TikTok now but they um they always ask me to do uh like a, a show all my canes and everything on there so maybe I should ask TikTok 
that's name my canes <laughs> yes they i mean they're, they're like an instagram live or something but tiktok is like the the new i'm too yeah. old so tiktok is like well how do you i don't know how to well, do it. well it's interesting actually because uh tiktok so uh, in end of november i had a tiktok account that had about thirty thousand followers and i had a video briefly going over my disability what had happened I was wearing a dressing gown I was fully clothed and uh overnight I hadn't posted anything for two days overnight this video started picking up hundreds and thousands of views the next day I click on the app and they deleted my entire account uh. yeah so uh you know I don't know you only have to do a little google search into tiktok and disability and you see like similar things or on twitter yeah. but anyway like I said I made a new account and now we're on 170 something thousand followers so you're welcome <laughs> <Ava> <laughs> um tell me a little bit about your some dating stories of, of with your disability like t- tell me kind of what that's like and do you have any good stories do you have any horror stories anything you want to share about that um i, did, I thought about this so um i i've been single for since before i was um poorly um so I'm on all of the dating apps and the the huge amount of first messages that I get will be what's up with your leg or like what's happened to your leg and I've had some really like foul messages as well about my leg not like sexual messages just like rude uh like why why have you got a walking stick on the beach and things like that it's like was I supposed to leave it like (laughs) was I supposed to leave it (laughs) off the beach and just I don't know um I uh I don't really date that much because um I hate men (laughs) but um uh, a recent date well pre-corona I went on I'd I'd actually been on a date with the same person uh a year before and it hadn't worked out but he messaged me like um oh can I have a second chance whatever and I was lonely, so I gave him a second chance and when we had gone on a date before I was on a lot of medication and uh, I wasn't allowed to try and get pregnant. I wasn't allowed to have a baby because the medication would have meant that there were severe complications with the pregnancy. And we must have spoken about this anyway. So I went on a date with him earlier this year and it was going, it was going great. And so I said, Oh, just out of interest, what made you, um, what made you get back in touch with me? And he, (laughs) he already has a child, had a child (laughs) And he said, oh, I just remembered that you can't have children and I don't want any more children. So I thought I would, and I thought. What? And the joke is, I'm not even on that medication anymore. So I can have 54 children if I want more. <laughs> oh <laughs> just, no. What a, yeah, how rude. What a fucking tosser he is. No, <laughs> no, no, that's horrible. And super ableist and super misogynist. There's so many layers to how gross that is. Ew. And and people wonder why we stay single over yeah, here. Yeah, like this is just, like, and I will say, like, I don't date much anymore. I work predominantly with sex workers in for to have my needs met. Obviously, pre-corona, not so much right now, but before corona, like, I have I see mostly sex workers. Everyone knows this because I talk about it all the time. But um, it's. You know, it's so much easier because you get what you need in a friendly, safe environment with somebody who gives a shit about you. And then you see them in two weeks and <laughs> there's no drama. There's no, no like feelings. There's no like, you know, 
I mean, there are feelings of like friendliness and joy, but there's not like, you know, there's no crap. You get exactly what you what you need, and they get what they need, and then we're done. So I, I yeah. totally agree with you with that. I, I I would love to meet somebody and be swept head over heels, and like you know, I want to have that big. I do. Part of me does want to have that big love story moment, but I also don't give a fuck. I'm like, I want to suck a nice dick, have a great time, and see you later. Bye. Like that's it. That's it. People always ask, because I've actually been single since I was uh, 19, so six years, and people always say, like, like why kind of thing. And, you know, if you haven't met someone who, you know, matches you and you could actually see in your life in a positive way, then what's the point? I'm, I'm not, I don't need to, I don't need to give energy to something that isn't for me you know it, what's what's meant to be for me will come to me and if it's not it's not kind of thing yeah like it's not and I think you know the more and more I remind myself that if I if I if somebody comes along and wants to be with me then maybe I'll, I'll explore that but if they don't I'm so good and I still get the things I need and I can still be <laughs> disabled and hot and I can still you know so like I think I just think and again thank god for sex work like thank goodness for <laughs> I know, and what what you just said, I think that's that's a massive lesson to people who look down their nose um, at sex workers and such, because uh, you know it's an it's it's an essential job. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and I mean, I I've worked with disabled sex workers. I work with non-disabled sex workers. Like I have done sex work, so like I support all of that. I think right now, one of the things I love about being in Corona not that I love it, but the fact that we're all in it and forced to do it anyway, is that, yeah, I can't touch you physically, but I can commission a video from you. I can commission, uh-huh. like, a sexy chat, and at least that way I'm able to still have some, you know, some affection and some, like, uh-huh. 100%. yeah, if it wasn't lockdown, this person would fuck me. Great. Awesome. <laughs> we um, love the a boost. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so, it's, for me, it's really nice to have the hot, like, shirtless dude be like, yeah, I'll send you a video. It's like, okay, good. <laughs> um, um, just pulling up my questions. Uh, so what are... My radio keeps randomly turning on. Hang on one second. <laughs> hey, Siri, stop. Keeps randomly turning on the radio right then. Awesome. Um, <laughs> my question was, what are some of the ways that people have fetishized you as a disabled person? And if you could talk to those people that have done that to you, what would you say to them right now? So I have a OnlyFans account and recently I've had a message messages from the same person. Uh, it started off um, asking something like, are there any positions that you can't do or something, which, you know, lots of people ask all the time yeah I don't, I don't really um talk about all that stuff but then then they started asking for videos of me walking and things and I sort of realized oh I see oh you're a DOT um, and told me that I could I could really make it as a, a disabled porn star or whatever you know if, if anyone wants to do that that's entirely up to them that's not what I would like to be at the minute um yeah so I don't, I don't like it when it's when it's forced on you, put on, on you, you by someone else, yeah. or like you haven't consented to it. The same, there's uh, there was a big page on Instagram last year 
and I, I'll get the name wrong so I won't try but it had disabled in, in the uh, title and it was reposting photos of disabled women and it was sort of disguising itself as a uh, a positive account uh, but then I spoke to several girls because I'd started getting really like creepy messages from the person running it and uh, we sort of all exchanged and it, it was like a the person running it wasn't disabled they were like a fetish a fetishist oh, there, no. there's another word that is devotees and there's another word beginning with a uh for people who uh, I can't think of it either but I'll look it up <laughs> but I mean that, that I mean I, I it's funny because I and I think there are degrees of fetishization and I think there are like I will fetishize myself mm-hmm. but because I'm disabled and I'm the one doing it. I feel like that's okay. But if someone else does it to me without my consent, that feels immediately weird yeah. and immediately uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. And again, like occasionally I'll, I'll have like a, a message in uh, my uh, DMs. I think it's, it's quite common uh, amongst amputees to be fetishized. And again, like if, if they haven't asked or consented for it, I just don't think that, anyone should be put in that no I think it's so it's such a violation of who you are it is it's a violation definitely and it's just like I I understand curiosity and I understand wanting to learn more and that's totally education is totally different than abuse Mm -hmm. what happens is a lot with a lot of fetishization whatever I can't say that word fetishization there we go um (laughs) what happens with that a lot of the time is that they'll say you'll tell them oh that hurt me please don't talk like that and they'll say oh I just want to learn more mm. and it's like well I no you don't you wrote you want to use education as the reason for you to be to be a fucking twat and I'm not yeah. okay with that like I don't that's not okay so mm-hmm. like how do, when somebody does that to you how do you how do you respond I uh, the same as uh, most most people I just don't respond at all <laughs> um I'm I'm very much like that. I don't really feel the need to respond. I mean, if 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 people leave me nasty comments and such, especially on TikTok, I'll I'll give them a response because it's good content for me. But when it comes to uh, disability, I'd rather just not even give it the airtime. To be honest, no, no I don't blame you. Tell me more about no, because you mentioned it a couple times throughout this interview. Tell me a little bit more about the uh, disabled modeling agency that you model for. Okay, so um, they're actually uh, in the US, um, just moving to Australia as well, opening a branch there. So started in the UK. Um, it's now the the and uh, in Europe the biggest supplier of disabled models in the entire world. Um, there's, I think, we have over five hundred models now. Uh, it includes. Uh, disabled models, uh, people with alternative appearance, so visible difference, and also trans and non-binary models. Um, so it was found in 2017. As I say, now it's the, the world's biggest supplier. And, you know, they do absolutely, I've been with them for a year and a half, and they do absolutely amazing work for changing the face of f- face of fashion and giving representation to people that the uh, the media often uh, ignore. They're just... Yeah, they've just uh, in January opened a influencer division as well to sort of get more uh, noise on social media as well. So it's very cool. But like I said, uh, Ellie Goldstein, she has Down syndrome. She Gucci beauty model, most like photo, you know, she's doing amazing things. And there's so many brands and campaigns that they um, they get us in the door of. And it's, it's so amazing. But, you know it's there's still such a long way to go and you know when I 
when I open Instagram and if I see Gucci or Ellie's done like lots of very big brands now, when I open it and she's the first picture, instead of thinking, oh my God, someone with Down syndrome, I want to go, oh my God, that's Ellie. She looks amazing because I want it to be so normalized that it's yeah. just not even, you know, do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, completely. You don't want it to be, wow, we're going to tokenize this. Yeah, with Down syndrome, Be- because it- I've when I've worked, I've definitely been the token before, and uh, sometimes brands will use you as the token, and they will want the accolades of the well done, like the inspiration porn, the able yeah. getting the warm fuzzies because they see a see a walking stick, but you know behind the scenes, they there was no thought towards accessibility or anything like that. Um, and I think I think that's the hardest part, like. I think the the outward culture of we're doing good and look at us representing disabled people, that's that's one tiny part of the experience. If you're there mm-hmm. behind the scenes hating it and not having access, well, then they haven't done their job. And like one yeah. of the things I love with Handy and the work I do with, with them as the chief disability officer, like, you know, I'm, I'm front and center. So anything that doesn't feel right, I can say to the team, like, hey, we should make sure, you know, we should do our best to, make sure that this is accessible. Like we did a whole photo shoot in Australia a few months ago with, or well, last year, the middle of last year with a bunch of disabled models. And they made sure that access was figured out. Like I wasn't there and I, obviously I was here in Canada, but like, you know, our teams made sure that everything was set up and people said, we asked them like, how was the experience? And they all said, oh my God, it was amazing because yeah. you, they, you took care of us. And so like, I really wish more brands would, recognize that it's not just about the end product it's about the whole process yeah. from booking the model to getting them there to figuring out what their access needs are to making sure that when they're there all of their access needs are met so that they can give you 110 percent and then feel like they were cared for all the way through yeah i think a, a big part of the problem of that as well is that there aren't enough disabled people high up in companies to to bring these things to people's attention because you know um uh, able-bodied people often under uh what's the word i'm looking for don't even think about things like that because it doesn't affect them you know it's the same as things in life if it doesn't affect you you don't really consider it but um i can think uh, around the start of lockdown or uh, i booked this job with a a very big brand in the uk and um i went down to london for it and i was so excited um and i got there and straight away there was this gigantic staircase and uh, i mean there's so many other things happened throughout the day but just the start of the day there just looking down at it in that moment you know the internalized ableism came out again because I thought to myself like what am I going to do now because I can either struggle down this staircase or I can turn around go home you know I'm I'm grateful and now grateful for this opportunity that I have because it's a big brand and oh the bigger picture like disabled people are going to see me in this campaign and they're going to think that could be me kind of thing so I bit my lip and I shouldn't have bit my lip I should it's it's again one of those things where if any of my friend friends were telling me the story I would I know my you right said, I know you, their you right said like do, what are you doing you know make sure you're okay don't do this this is silly mm-hmm, but because mm-hmm. yeah and I agree when you're in it sometimes you do get this we as disabled kind of influencers which is a whole I hate that term but like disabled we as disabled people that are on that are public facing 
kind of think if I do this, that 15 year old kid that needs to see me Uh is going to see me. But then at the same time, like we put ourselves in situations that are not accessible at all, that are not Uh always the safest for us. And and that's the hard part. It's like, why? I think sometimes the hardest person to advocate for is yourself. Yeah. Especially Uh when you have like disabilities and when when you like, like what, like, with what you and I have done respectively in our kind of in our niches of like putting ourselves out there as a public figure when you start to think about if I say no to this then other brands won't reach out to me and other mm-hmm. people won't want to work with me and if I just if I just shut up and do it it'll be fine when what we should be saying is no I should be going to the to the lead person and being like hey here's why this won't work for me either I'm gonna go home now contact me in like two weeks and we'll figure out another day to do it where <laughs> accessibility is actually thought about or I'm not doing this like that's what we all want to do in our heads but the minute you're there you're like well I'm out of here I'll just all right whatever and especially when you're the only so this this thing it was it was a huge crew of people you know men women uh everyone and not one of them was to say I was the only disabled person in the building and uh, then you feel sort of isolated with it because you Again, it's the internalized. You assume that they're all going to think that's an angry disabled person. Like that's you know. And yeah. God, I wish I hadn't. It's, it's hindsight, isn't it? I, I don't think I would act that way if I was in the situation again. But you just don't know because you you can feel sort of like the little the little person. Um, yeah. Like beneath. Well, <laughs> you mentioned your internalized ableism a little bit throughout this interview, and I'd love to hear from you because all of our internalized the way disabled people internalize ableism is different for every single disabled person so I'd love to hear from you if you feel comfy like what does your internalized ableism feel like and look like for you I think I think it's it depends on the the situation like I said I'm I've come like absolutely leaps and bounds in the way that I view my disability I do not view my disability as like a shame or I try to not really let it hinder me from doing anything but I'm also uh, aware of my my limits and things I can and can't do so I I really hope and think that I've like that's like in the past but then as I say when this was this year that I was in this situation and I think other other people bring it out of me again I had a job in uh, a real retail department and um obviously I'm paralyzed my left leg and I was on on a shift uh, eight hours standing up shift and I said please can I have a chair <laughs> please can I have a chair I'm paralyzed <laughs> no it'll make the shop floor look cluttered and then the boss uh, brought me in the office at the end of my shift and said we really need to speak about those crutches they're making the shop floor look untidy can you get rid of them no oh that's horrible no <laughs> No, I, I would have hit him with the crutch and been like the answer. It was is a no. woman. It was a woman, and um, anyway, I I sat there and took it. I mean, this was last year, so I wasn't as um, confident in myself. Uh, but I sat there and took it, and I was so angry with myself. When I walked out of the office, I started crying because I was so angry, and I resigned that morning because I was just like, I'm not having that. Yeah, absolutely no. not. Million years not having that, and you know, thankfully, everything's worked out for me because I, the job I do now, I absolutely love, and um, I'm doing amazing. <laughs> no, but I, I just like that's so, that's so ableist what they've said to you. Like, of course you uh-huh. can't. Have, why would you care more about your shop floor than you do about the person in the shop? Uh-huh. I just, I just think that's 
like <laughs> yeah your jaw hits the floor because you're like what what like How... if, if someone was in a wheelchair would they have said to them can you get rid of it wheelchair? Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had that before once i went i wanted to go to a big and i think i told the story somewhere but i wanted to go to a big gay event a couple years ago this big gay event in toronto like before corona and we we're everyone's partying and i wanted to go because i don't go to big gay events and I was like well I want to meet you know a hot gay dude and whatever so I want to go to this party and I called up the venue before the party started and I said oh my god I'm so excited like it'll be so fun I want to be there to represent disabled bodies I'd love to come and like I'll pay but I want to come and they said they said okay well and I said okay well I'm in a wheelchair like I'm in a power chair um what's the access like and they went oh yeah your power chair won't fit could you just get another one and I paused and it was like the super happy gay dude on the phone, like trying to be really polite. And I said, I said, do you realize what you just said to me? And he goes, well, can you just get another chair? And I said, that's like me asking you to get other legs. And he was like, oh, oh I didn't mean it. And I was like, I know you didn't mean it, but you still said it. And now I'm not coming to your party and I got to go. And I, hung, <laughs> and I hung up the phone and I just was so angry. But like yeah. it happened, and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and I think like, I mean, I think you know every single disabled person, no matter if you have the same condition as uh, another person or not, like the experience with it, the lived experience, and uh, everyone's is completely different. Everyone has all these stories, these different stories, and when you hear them, it's just unbelievable the amount of shit that people yeah, put up with. and the amount of like, and the amount of the amount of my problem is the willful ignorance. Like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't say that to someone else. What made you think that it was okay that you said to me? And no. sure, like, I've said crappy stuff too, but someone's called me out and been like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> Here's why that sucks. But when you do it to certain populations, like when I call out some some of my queer peers, when I call them out, they'll be like, oh, I just didn't know. And it's like, well, you didn't know that that might hurt me. Like, what? Okay. So it's like... It can be really hard to be in the space we're in as influencers, which is again a word I hate, but like as public facing figures in the disability community, it's so hard because my kind of thing is like, I want to, I want to guide everybody through and I want to teach. My radio keeps turning on. Hey Siri, stop. It's turning on to like talk about the lockdown. Nobody wants to hear that right now. Um, You know, as my I feel like my job is to educate but I'm never required to it's an opportunity of mine so I try to like remind myself that I don't have to tell I don't have to give this person tips but if I do I'll feel better and then maybe they won't say that shit to someone else tomorrow Mm -hmm. I think where where my platform sort of grown um, I don't I don't always speak about disability it's not something that I always do because I also think that it's important to to sort of uh, make sure that everyone's aware that I am not just a walking stick um, but I think I have to remind myself that what's happened to me has only happened to me and I can only really speak on my personal experience and to not try and be the voice for absolutely everyone i can am- is i can amplify voices as much as possible but it's 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 kind of hard having no it's not hard that's not the word i'm looking for but it's strange having 
um, followers and people sort of look to you um, to sort of, to sort educate of give or the, yeah, speak. And, and also like I know I'm I'm also always aware that I'm although I'm in a marginalized group I'm to say I also still have a privilege because I'm yeah. white straight cisgender and I don't I don't it's sort of I don't ever want people to think oh Lucy's going to speak for disabled people because I my experience is nothing like yeah and like people, the, other I, people's I, I feel the same way as a white cis disabled guy in a wheelchair. Like there's so, there's so many versions of me already out there doing this. Like, so as much as I'm proud of my platform, I'm proud of what I do. And, and I, I also don't want, ever want anyone in the disabled community to think, to, I don't ever want to say anything wrong. And because I have um, a few more followers for everyone in the disabled community to hate me for like, it, it's, it's yeah, strange. It, it is a mind fuck of like, it's so, <laughs> first of all social media is a trash fire we all know like, <laughs> how hard it is to have an opinion on social media that doesn't go with what the status quo is and then if you have this opinion but you're but because people see like people always say to me oh andrew we'd like to book you as an expert in the in the field of disability and i always stop <laughs> and go what what made you think i was an expert like i just have <laughs> one experience that i want to share with you like you can pay me for that experience but you shouldn't bill me as an expert because i'm not that yeah. at all like yeah don't call me that so so like I love what you're doing with your platform. I love what you've done. I love the way you've kind of put a sassy, sexy, like playful vibe into to disability and walking sticks and like that kind of stuff. Because up until I saw your stuff, I never really saw playful walking sticks. Like I mm. would see like my friend that lives in Toronto has medical walking sticks and she paints them and makes them all pretty. But like when I saw yours, I was like, what? I want to get one and put a dildo on it and be like, yeah, this is my, uh, this is my. Well, actually, I, I have one that's um, sort of like uh, swirled around itself and uh, someone told me it looks like anal beads already. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. You should, uh, you should play with that one on OnlyFans. See what, about to see <laughs> um, this was such a fantastic interview. How can the people listening, how can they follow you? How can they support you? How can they do all that stuff? Uh, so, I'm on Instagram. It's Ludor L U U U D A W, and then on TikTok is L U D A W in the sky, like Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Oh yay! <laughs> Amazing. So I'll make sure that's all in the show notes. Lucy Dawson, I love sitting down with you. It's such Thank a you so much. It's such a pleasure. You're so it's so nice to finally talk to you. Um, I love and will support you always. You're great. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right, friends. Well, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am, of course, your host, Daddy Andrew Gerza. Hello. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website, www.andrewgerza.com, or you can follow me on social media, at Andrew Gerza underscore on all socials. So that's at Andrew Gerza on Twitter. Sorry, at Andrew Gerza underscore on Twitter and at Andrew Gerza underscore on Instagram. And follow me there and you can see a lot more stuff on disability that I'm doing. If you want to follow the podcast, you can go to Disaft Dark Pod on Twitter. 
If you want to support the show, of course, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. And, of course, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about it. If you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. We would love to have you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. This has been a production of the Wheels on the Ground Network. Bye! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021